After I died and journeyed with Jesus through heaven, I was in the middle of the feeling of being encased within a rolling storm. History would mark this moment as the culmination of God's redemptive plan, and it was good. Suffice it to say that nothing and no one will remain untouched by God's storm. Welcome to this episode of Revelations from Heaven. My guest today is Val Hampton. She comes to us from Manchester, England. She experienced heaven, but the way she experienced heaven and the way she came to know Jesus as her Lord and Savior is truly astounding. Uh, Val, it's great to have you with us today. Thank you so much, Randy. I'm pleased to be here. You know, it's an honor. You know, thank you. Well, the honor is all ours. And Val, now you were raised in a, in a loving household. And uh, you went through this process of uh, kind of, well, finding God. It was, it's fascinating that God gave you um, a means unbeknownst to you as to how he would lead you to knowing, discovering God. And then you had these encounters in heaven. So let's go back to that process now as a, as a young person uh, where you were uh, going through this search and, and uh, then you had gone through depression. Uh, and at that point of depression is when you had had your have an encounter. So let's begin with uh, kind of this process, which our audience is going to find absolutely amazing. Uh, yeah, um, I'd been a Christian for a little while now, and I was quite a deep seeker. You know, I didn't listen to anybody's version. I wanted to know God's version of things. And it was, I was quite a, someone said I'm very sensitive to the Lord, you know. And, um, well, to put it mildly, they said I was highly tuned. <laughs> anyway, so I'd gone through a period, you know, when we go through periods of life where things aren't going good, you know, this go, this happens, that happens, and it's not all good. And then there was a few deaths in the family. So, and they were sudden. So I felt very low at this point. And um, not so much depressed as just low, you know. And then I'd gone to bed this night and I thought, the last thing I said to the Lord on my pillow as I was lying down, Lord, I just want to come home and be with you. And that was it. I fell asleep mm. and I started going up. Be careful what you ask for. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Because well, it's amazing. You had shared with me earlier that, um, and you're at the point now where you will have this uh, heaven encounter, but as you were seeking through different religions and you were sampling different religions, you had this vision in your head of the one true religion. Yes. And I found that to be fascinating. Tell us about that. Uh, from a small child. Uh, do mm -hmm. you mean that period of being Yes, small? yes. Yeah. yeah um, we weren't a particular, you know, Christian-based family. We believed in God and that was it. And my mother took us to church as a young, you know, well, I was about five or six. And I remember the Sunday school teacher saying, 
you know, the line will lie down with the lamb. And I think she wrote it on a blackboard, you know, in, the, in them days, they'd use the blackboard a lot. And uh, I remember seeing this and I was, even as a child, I understood that was a special place. I knew that must be so special because I knew a lion wouldn't lie down with a lamb. And I was only young. Um, so I thought, I remember saying to myself, I want to be there one day. That's where I want to be. So that seed had gone right in and I really, I really ate it up, you know. But that carried me. I went through the rebellious years and, you know, and then at the age of uh, 22, I had a son and uh, we were living together. And, you know, I believed in God and I thought it was good, you know. Hmm. Um, but I, was, I really had this deep desire to want to know God through all that. But by the time I'd had my son, you have more time on your hands. You're not rushing to work. You're not doing other things. You, you know, you've got time in the day. So if anyone, any religion would speak to me, I'd, you know, I'd really, I'd really ask the questions. But I knew if it didn't, if it didn't um, compare with this place of a lion lying down with a lamb, if it didn't come anywhere near that, then I knew it wasn't right. I had the word of God in me, although it was only small. I knew it was something to go off. You know, but anyway, we we moved to this home near the countryside, and um, and then we'd only been there about two weeks, and two ladies come knocking on the door one night. It was a sunny evening, and um, you know, they were telling me about this this Jesus, and they were giving me I don't know what they were saying, but I felt a hope coming from them. I'd come from a very condemned place as i was trying to say before where religions other religions were condemning me but this these two were giving me a hope in that hope there was a but but repentance you know god loves you but there's repentance and i thought what's that and i actually remember saying to them, but i believe in god and i'm good <laughs> <laughs> but you see you know you can get so caught up with the world you know so in the end, they just said, well, why not come to our fellowship? We're having a home group, you know, home fellowship. So I went to a couple of them. I started coming under the word of God. They actually directed me in the word where, because I was afraid of picking up the Bible because I didn't know where to begin. You know, I was so ignorant of things, you know. Um, but I was seeking God. I really wanted to know. So when I was sent home with these words, I'd, I'd eat them. I'd really, you know, wow, I didn't know that. Wow, I didn't know this. Everything was wow, you know, but I was also coming under conviction. Um, I started seeing that I wasn't so good after all, you know, in myself, in my own right, I wasn't so good. And um, within about a month, I was, I had to go to bed one night early and cry it out with the Lord. I went to bed and um, I was sobbing. I said, I'm so sorry, Lord. I am so sorry. Take my life. And I thought he was going to do that. Um, I cried myself to sleep thinking that he was going to take my life when I gave it him, you know. But I woke up the next morning. This bit is interesting because I woke up the next morning and I was so, I asked him into my life, all the usual, you know. I asked him to forgive me and, you know, take my life. And But I thought he would take my life. But when I woke up the next morning, I was shocked. I thought, I'm still here. You know, I got out of bed and I flung the curtains back and the window, the bedroom window opposite was um, in the distance. There were fields, uh, hills and fields, you know, it was countryside. 
And when I looked out, I thought, what's changed? What's happened? You know, and I, I could see green on the field and I could see the trees were brown and I looked at the sky, it was blue. And I thought, what have they, what have they done? I mean, it wasn't them, it was me. The mm. scales had been lifted, you know. I could see again. I could see properly for the first time. I don't know what had happened. Mm. But now I was starting to see. I was seeking God deep and I was seeing deep, you know. I saw, mm. if you like, I saw colour for the first time. How many scales I must have had on my eyes, I don't know, before I came to Christ. Really blinded, really. Anyway, so that was the start. And I started seeking the Lord very much, you know. And In the day when the kids were at school and husband at work, the telly would be off, the radio, everything would be off. I'd have this time with the Lord all to myself. I'd read his word, I'd devour the word, you know, I'd pray. And uh, it was so peaceful. And I felt I was, what I didn't know was becoming more sensitive and more finely tuned mm. um, because I was making up for lost time. And um, I continued having fellowship and, you know, and praying. I know he was showing I started seeing things and having dreams and visions a lot, you know, and and then that led on to encounters. But I did start seeing things in the spirit, in the good, and, and the not so good. You know, I could see the Lord was showing me different things. He was giving me different experiences. Um, and some of them were quite, you know, profound, really. I remember one day I was, I was working, I had a part-time job, only for a few hours a week to top the wages up, only while the kids were at school. And it was a dress agency, and it's where you bring clothes, if they're decent, to sell them. Um, and the shop would take a portion, and, you know. And out of these hundreds of clothes in the shop, there was about four items that stood out to me. And I thought, what is it about them clothes? You know, there's hundreds, if not thousands, of clothes hung up in the shop that I worked, you know. And... On these clothes, there was tickets with numbers on. I never knew who the names were, but because I didn't deal with that part of it, I was at the front of the shop tidying up and seeing to the customers. But these four items always, they stood out to me every time I passed them. And it, it happened about three times. And usually by the time I get to the third time, I'm querying the Lord and seeing something, Lord, what's that? Anyway, as again, out of these hundreds of clothes, uh, the next morning I walked in and there was these particular clothes that stood out to me were bagged up with a transparent bag that I could see that they were those clothes with that number on. And now the name was attached to it. And on that name was a Christian that I'd been told about that she was like me, but she was a deep intercessor. So what I was seeing was the Shekinah glory on her clothes. And I didn't know that. I didn't know mm -hmm. clothes could carry an anointing and that's what I was seeing so it's them type of things I was being very sensitive in the spirit you know mm. because I was seeking deep do yeah. you remember the woman with the issue of blood she I was just that, thinking of that yes yeah. that, and just touching his robe yes yeah she said if we can just touch his cloth you know depending on what version you read we can just touch she knew something you know um but yeah, this this lady whose clothes it was, I knew her. Eventually, I got to, I thought I got to meet her. Someone said you need to meet her. She's sensitive like you, 
So I didn't meet her yet. I met her clothes. <laughs> and mm. I thought, you don't need to tell me anymore now. I know what she's, you know, I've, I've met her clothes and that's enough. I'm going to, I want to meet her now. I really do. But what I found was she was a real intercessor. And uh, when she prayed, you know, things moved. You know, she was just, mm. to look at, she was just an unassuming lady. She was only small, but boy, she could pray. <laughs> <laughs> so that anointing was on the clothes. That's what I read that as, and the Lord was pointing that out to me, you know. Yes. So them little sensitive things. Uh, there was much more, which I can't go into, and I, I don't want to go into the dark side. I saw some of those as well. Um, you... But these things weren't discussed at church. I had to learn them with other people that, you know, like the lady that prayed like that, you know, the intercessor. Yeah, you so, you obviously you've been very sensitive to the to the spirits and even the leading because you had tried different religions and the lion and the lamb and that was uh, the line of Judah, the lamb of of God. Um, you know that is, that is uh, in the Bible. There's a, there's a point at which uh, God is is uh, and there are a couple of experiences, uh, profound experiences with Jesus. But he's leading you to a place at the point of despair where you are, and that's where we began actually, and we'll get there soon, where he's going to bring you uh, to heaven. Mm. Mm. Tell us about that. Yeah. Tell so, us what led up to that. Yeah. So as I say, you know, a few years on now, I was in the Lord, I was learning I was dreaming visions and sensing things, you know, but but going through this patch, I was quite heavy with it and a bit sad that there'd been losses in the family and other things were happening around us. So I'd gone to bed and I said, Lord, I just want to be with you now. I just fed up, you know, with things happening. And that was the last thing I said to the Lord as I fell asleep. And then, as I say, started taking me up. I just automatically just started going up and then, these arms were, I don't know why, they were almost like wings as I went up. I was, the ascension was lovely. So I started pressing down. So I'd go up higher and I pressed down again and I went up higher. <laughs> um, and I, I just kept going and going. I actually felt I went through the clouds at one point because I shudder. And then I went way beyond the clouds, way beyond this atmosphere and way beyond that. I just, it, there was no end to going up. The ascension was lovely. But I'd arrived at this point where, well, I can only describe it as I couldn't breathe. The air was so pure, I couldn't breathe. And I started to panic, you know. And I heard a voice behind me say, in an authoritative way, but in a loving way, um, don't panic, just breathe slowly. So I did. I had no option. <laughs> mm. And then as I breathed in, as I breathed in, I didn't realize I was breathing in the glory. Um, as I breathed in, I felt it going down the throat. You know, I felt it going into, you know, the tubes, the throat and the lungs. And then it went out into my arms, into the fingers. All, I felt it going to every part of my body and then right down into my toes and everywhere. Everywhere was tingling and alive. Mm -hmm. I'm absolutely euphoric now. I'm, weightless there was no weights there was no memory of this earth there was nothing it all gone 
And then the next thing, I don't know how I got from there to there, but I was in this sea, this like cloud of, it was like, it was like the glory cloud, but a sea. And I found my arms were doing this in a swimming motion to stay buoyant. It was effortless. Everything was effortless. But I was just doing this. Can you see my arms doing that? I was doing this yeah. to stay buoyant. But I was absolutely euphoric. There was no weights. There was no time. I can only describe if time was up there, it'd be weighty because it, time would be attached to something or a person. So there was no memory of a person or a something down there. There was just nothing, no, nothing to tie you to earth. Um, no sorrow, no, no sighing. It would be a weight. Time would be a weight. So I'm swimming in this timeless, weightless, euphoric, you know, uh, well, sea of glory. Mm. And it was absolutely, and all I could do automatically is say, thank you, Lord. Thank you so much. I am mm. so happy. Thank you. And I was praising him. I was just lost in wonder and praise. And that must have gone on for some time in this time, but up there, um, it just could have gone on all night. It could have gone on all year and it wouldn't have made any difference. You know, it didn't, it didn't matter. I was lost in the glory. I was with God. You know, uh, Jesus said, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. And that just fits that situation I was in. I was in the Father, the Father was in me. I was basking. Mm in the glory and it was beautiful and i had no memories no recollection of earth whatsoever and then i looked across this sea i looked across and there was no end i saw i saw no end to the sea and then i looked up to the sky and i've never seen such a vivid blue and the more you looked at it the more you could look into it because there was layers upon layers of blue you're absolutely you know, enthralled by this. It was such a wonderful place. Can I just read you a little bit of scripture about that sea? So Please you can, do. Um, this describes it so well in, in Ezekiel. Uh, Ezekiel 47, 3 to 5. And it says, And when the man went out to the east with the line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits and he brought me through the waters the waters came up to my ankles again he measured 1000 and brought me through the waters the waters came up to my knees again he measured 1000 and brought me through the water came up to my waist again he measured 1000 and it was a river that i could not cross for the water was too deep water in which one must swim a river that cannot be crossed um that was the river I felt it. That it couldn't describe it any better than that. It was. Mm. He said, uh, "I could not cross for the water was too deep, and it was never ending. You couldn't cross it, but it's never ending. It's eternity." And then it says, um, "A river in which one must swim." Well, that's where I felt I had to stay buoyant. You know, with this arm movement as if I was swimming. It was effortless, but I, I felt I still had to stay stay buoyant in the sea in the glory cloud in mm. the sea you know um yeah. oh it's beautiful beautiful now how long this had gone on for i don't know i was just happy to be where i was 
no mm. recollections of anything else. I'm in the glory and that's enough for me. And then how long this had gone on, but all of a sudden, again, there was no one involved in this. I never, no one suggested anything to me, but all of a sudden there was um, a presentation of a screen, not a huge one, like a television screen. And it was put before me. And I thought, I looked into it and I saw, I saw my two children. I'd had another child, by, a son and a daughter. I saw my two children in that screen. But what I could see was a portion of the earth around them and it was dark. You see up there, everything's bright and alive, but down here, it's so dark. Mm. And as I looked, I went, oh no, I forgot I've got kids. I've got kids, I can't leave them. And as soon as I said that, I can't leave them. That was it. The screen disappeared. I don't know where it went. And I was descending immediately. So not only had I asked the Lord to take me up, to be with him, he did. And then I said, I can't leave the kids. And then you see, be careful what you ask for, <laughs> you know, he can give it you, but do you want it? You know, yeah. well, I did want it. But then when I saw the kids, you know, any mother, any mother would find it hard to turn away, you know, so down, down, I come down, down. And I was protesting all the way down. I did not want to come down. That was heartbreaking. I wouldn't go up again for that. I wouldn't ask to just go again for that reason, because I wouldn't want to come down. I just wouldn't. Anyway, down, down, I got from a distance, I could see the earth approaching. And all I saw was a gray mist around the earth. And oh, was I protesting even more. It was horrible feeling coming down and again it came through the clouds I got closer to home I saw the rooftops different shapes different sizes and then suddenly a bit of a a jolt and I was back and I woke up well you know I woke up now if I if you judge it by earth time I'd gone to bed I probably fell asleep about 11 o'clock at night and then I woke up all the time I wasn't looking at the clock here so I'm guesstimating I woke up what seemed to be normal time, say 7.30 in the morning. So I'd been there quite a while and I was protesting and I couldn't, I couldn't coordinate with this earth. It was, it was totally foreign to me. I didn't know why I was here anymore. I, I was so, I was very low, I was very low. And I sat up on the edge of the bed and I thought, oh, please take me back. I was pleading with him, take me back. Anyway, after a while of pleading and protesting, I realized I'm going to have to get used to being here. So I, I propped my head up and looked out on the bed and I thought, what's that? It was just a wall. It was just a bedroom wall, but now I'm, I'm in a prison. Not only don't want to be here, but I'm, I'm feeling like I'm in a prison. It's got walls, this house that I live in. Suddenly it's a foreign place. And then I thought, oh no, I've got to live here now. Everything, I had to, I had to relive everything, everything. So I stood up, I thought, well, I'll move out the bedroom. I'll, I'll go and find my way around the house if I can. And, and I, I stood up, this is how disconnected I was. I was so disconnected when I stood up. I looked at my feet and I thought, what do I do? I mean, I was a perfectly healthy young woman. 
And I'm looking at my feet thinking, what do I do? Oh, and I thought, then it come to me quickly, put one foot in front of another. So I did, but it was very heavy going. I was holding on to things to walk around to get out of the bedroom. I'm just giving you an idea how heavy this place is to me at this moment. I got on the landing and I saw the stairs and I went, no, not stairs. I've got to come downstairs. Everything was heavy. So I clumped down the stairs, gripping the banister. Um, I was slowly just coming back, very slowly. Um, to be honest, quietly, and I, you know, I quietly think I did die, because you could you don't come back like that. That's not normal. Anyway, I got familiar with the living room. I got familiar with the kitchen. But in the kitchen, I was stood there and I thought, what do I do? I didn't know what to do. I was still, I was still up there and my thoughts were still there. Well, how do you deal with this foreign place? And I heard the clock ticking and I looked at the clock. I didn't realise how important down here the clock is. Because when I looked at the clock, I thought, oh, there's, you know, the time's tied to, you know, what you have to do. Like you get up, breakfast, you know, you take the kids to school. And it was slowly dawning on me that clock, and that clock was important for the next few days at least because I needed to keep it, you know, telling myself, do this, do that, you know. Um, the first few days were terrible. I wouldn't like to go through that again. Then um, the weeks, you know, went by and I was picking up, I was more coordinated, and then I carried on. And to be honest, I couldn't tell anyone about it because. I was trying to work it out myself. I just know I'd been to the glory and then come back. And I didn't want to be here. <laughs> but now, you know, I live in it. I'm, I'm just, it makes me more wary of what I pray. You know, do I really want that if I pray for it, you know? So Val, it seems like you were more in heaven than you were on earth when you returned to your home. Oh, yeah. And there was that lingering effect that was more yeah. than a lingering effect. It was really more of a pervasive awareness of the glory of God where you yeah. are and the residual effect mm -hmm. of that so that you had to become reacclimated to, to this world. And mm -hmm. I think that's a dynamic that uh, is largely misunderstood unless you've been there, you know, yeah. it's like yeah. that old adage, you know, You've got to, you have to be there to understand it. Yeah. Um, and that many people like ourselves say that heaven is more real than this world. Yes, it is. This world is manufactured. That world is created yes, yeah. by the almighty God. And it is yeah. not just heavenly in terms of a description. It's heavenly in terms of its effect of bringing yes. us to a point in the, not just the ethereal, but when you talk about the glory of God. So you were still basking in the glory of God and becoming yeah. uh, adjusted to this uh, new world. But you also had this, the, the gifting that had been imparted to you uh, that allowed you to enter into the sacred place of, uh, of what would eventually be, you would come to at a later point to the upper room, what some term as the throne room of God. Yes, that's right. Um, I, you know, when I say, can I just go back to that, you know, first encounter with the Lord? Please. Just a little bit. 
um, I just wanted to say that, you know, there's, there's people believing there's a flat earth these days, which is a real distraction from the word of God. But what I saw was a perfectly round world <laughs> uh, with grey mist round it, you know. So I just wanted to slip that in at that point. I, should, I meant to mention that before. I saw a perfectly round world when I was approaching the earth, you know, and I just wanted to get that in. Yeah, uh, going about going on a, uh, speaking about the um, the upper room experience, it, there was no particular, nothing going on. I'd, I'd settled down and everything was going on. As, you know, it was just a young family and everything was normal. There was no, no, no sadness surrounding this at all. But I'd gone to bed one night, as usual, I'd gone to sleep, and immediately I was outside the upper room. And I knew where I was because I heard the disciple. I just knew to start with where I was. You know, in the spirit, you know. And um, then I, pres I was outside the door frame, so I'm stood to the right of the frame. And I could hear the disciples. And they were chatting and a bit of laughter. And the air was electric. It was lovely. And I, because I was stood sort of this side of the, I don't know if it was a hallway, a landing, it was a, an upper room, so, you know, it's probably a landing. I saw the wall attached to the frame, which was stone, a stone brick wall. And I presume on this side, there must have been a candle. I didn't see that wall. I didn't see the candle, but I saw the flickering on the stonework. And the ambience was just lovely. The laughter, the you know, the banter with one another. It was all it was such a lovely atmosphere. Um, I didn't hear any one word that the disciples said, but I just knew they were happy. And uh, I, I remember standing there thinking, this is so lovely. I could stay here all the time listening to this, you know, because of the atmosphere. I mean, the anointing must have been great in that room, you know, because it was overspilling onto me. Um so this again it I, there's no time so i don't know how long i'd been there i've no idea just happy to be there and then um all of a sudden jesus stepped out you know at that i got caught up with the laughter and the banter of the disciples i can imagine them sharing one another's testimonies you know and mm. enjoying one another, one another's company that's that's the impression i got um, so I forgot Jesus was in the room, you know, of, of all the people, you know, but I was caught up with their happiness. And he steps out right opposite me and immediately, it was like an immediate reaction. I put my head down in reverence, total reverence. Um, and humility and I felt humbled and. I just, I didn't know what to expect. He, you know, he stepped out. The Lord stepped out to see me. And what do you do? I, I wouldn't look at him because I, I just didn't feel worthy enough, to be honest. Um, and then, then he put his arm out. I've got my head down, but I could see up to his sort of higher chest area. But I wasn't looking neither. But I could, if I wanted to, see that far. But as he put his arm out, he had a robe on and the robe slipped down to his, when there's no cuff on your sleeve, it slips and it went to his elbow. And he handed me a piece of bread and he said, you are the bread. And I was so shocked. I fell back, but as I was falling back, 
I remember seeing his arm and I saw the muscles on his arm. And I remember as I was going down, I was saying, I was saying to myself, you are so strong. I was shocked. I was shocked at what I was seeing. You know, I don't know what I expected of the Lord physically, but I knew at that point he's a very strong man, a master carpenter. So he's physically fit. And, you know, when you come out of these encounters, I had time to, by the way, I fell down. I sat bolt upright and I was in bed. I woke up in bed. I was feeling for the bread, but I forgot you told me you are the bread, you know. And the body, we're all, you are, you know, if you're of Christ, you are the bread. He is the head. But when I came out of that encounter, I thought, I was so pleased. And again, as usual, don't leave me, Lord. Don't leave me. Come back. You know, the usual. You don't want to be parted from him. But when when I thought about that, how strong he is. He, he died in his prime. He was prime fit man. I mean, some of these pictures you see a weak Jesus on the cross, you know, he was fit. And when you see some of these pictures that they've painted of the Last Supper, you know, you see them all somber and there was nothing like that. They were happy. They were rejoicing. And I don't think Jesus let them know one thing about his death, only he only he was allowed yes. to know that before his God. Otherwise, let's face it, the disciples would have stepped in and probably stopped the process. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what I got from all that. I was, you know, you read it, but when you're seeing it in another, when you're seeing it in the light the Lord shows you, it becomes alive and you realize the extent of what he's gone through. He wouldn't share it with anyone. That moment, he knew that. He had to go to that cross himself. Otherwise, if anyone would have stepped in, it would have been nullified. Mm. So the strong constitution that, you know, our Lord had it was amazing. He gave up a healthy life. He didn't tell anyone at that precise time. Um, that he, I mean, that night, he was, he was, you know, he was going to be led, led away. Mm. Um, Judas was in the room and he said he that dips his bread but the disciples had no idea Mm. and some people think I know some in the dark world are fed a lie Um, those you know that are steeped in darkness I've been told they've been fed a lie that Jesus was a weak leader and he was defeated at the cross that is the absolute epitome of a lie from hell it's just from hell Right. He didn't. He he went to the cross willingly, without telling him anyone, so they didn't stop him. I love how you say that, Val. And so, where we've you have experienced two two advents, one of which is the experience in heaven, and now it sounds like that he had revealed, open your spiritual eyes to see the actual Mm -hmm. Passover, the feast. The Last yeah. Supper, as we know it, by uh, and seeing the disciples around the table. I just have one question around that, and that is, why do you think he revealed that to you? Obviously, you're expressing it to us now that he was strong. He was withholding the information from the disciples so and that they would not prevent him from going to the cross because he knew that was his destiny. Yeah. 
for the salvation of uh, humankind. So why do you think that he had bestowed that to share with us today, that, uh, that appearance? Do you know, I don't know. I can't give an answer to that. Mm. There's many things he's shown me, and I I can't understand why you've shown me, Lord. I'm privileged. I'm very privileged. But maybe it's for such a time as now that that wasn't just for me, was it? It was for the body of Christ. You are the body. You know, that bread was representing the body. Or maybe I, I needed that encouragement, maybe. Maybe. Well, I think I that he, I he gave you that bread to share with you. And he said, this is my, this is my body that I've broken for you. My blood that was the wine that he had shared, mm-hmm. that was shed for, for us. And he was sharing that body, that portion with you. So you were a part of the, the Last Supper, weren't you, at that point? Well, it seems so, but... Maybe others have been, and I don't know. You know, maybe they've seen another facet of that. I saw my part. Maybe they've seen their part. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know anyone else that, um, but maybe they'll come forward. Um, I'm privileged. I'm privileged, very privileged. I don't know why he did that. I don't know. But I'm so pleased. And I'm so excited to tell people he wasn't a weakling and he didn't share it with anyone. It, that cross, he took that cross on his own. He took the responsibility by himself. Nobody else was involved in that. So he wasn't Wait. defeated. He had to be strong to carry that yeah. cross, didn't he? Yes. I mean, here there, he had a little bit of help eventually, but he had to be a strong man yes. to carry that cross and yeah. to endure Yes. The pain, because he was, uh, well, we know the, cruc- the crucifixion, but prior to that, he was beaten to the point where where his back oh. was just completely, uh, completely shredded. That's and uh, and that was what you're telling us that he showed you. I can, I may I share Val? Why I think he he yeah, should reveal yeah, that please. to you. I believe please. we we need to feel that we need to know the strength of Jesus Christ and not his weakness. Because if we understand the might of Jesus Christ, yeah. he went to the cross yeah. under the authority, under the authority and in the, with the power of God Almighty. Mm-hmm. So that was, we, he was not a broken man. No. He was no. an empowered man. Yes. He carried that cross as a servant. And yes. he, he broke that body and he, shed it, he shared it with you as he shares it with us. When we do communion, he shares. We share a symbolic gesture of the the bread, which represents his body that was uh, broken for us, and then the blood of Jesus Christ. So I think what you're sharing with us is a profound lesson that we need to take away from what uh, he revealed to you. And for those of you who are kind of, how does this happen that Val has these experiences? Why don't I have these experiences? Well, Quite frankly, it was because God chose to share it with her and he knew that she would be sharing this with, with you. Mm. So we can't, we can't question God. So we, mm. each of us is chosen and selected or whatever it is uh, for an intended reason that only God knows fully. But Personally, you are sensitive. I, mm-hmm. Sorry. 
Please. Personally, I'm, I'm excited to tell people he wasn't a weakling for one. And I mean, if I was in that position, I was about to be led away and tortured. And I had a group of friends that were happy and laugh. I'm sure I'd be telling them, please, you know, sit down, be quiet. But he didn't. And I'm, I'm so excited to let people know he, he was strong right up to the end. If he hadn't held that, we would not be, be redeemed by his blood. You mm. know, if the disciples would have stepped in, that would have been it. And I'm excited to say that, really. It thrills me. Um, so, and because of, I know the dark world believed the opposite. You know, he was a weakling. He was defeated on the cross. Well, he's not. I've seen it for myself. I've, I've seen it. And I mm. know he, um, he honoured the living God, which in turn, his blood saved us. You know, he took the place of Barabbas, but Barabbas only represented us, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah. I, I like that. You, that's something that just struck me when you said that, that Barabbas represented us. Yeah. Those who had fallen, those who had sinned, those who had rejected Christ. Yeah, yeah. And we are the one that should have paid that penalty. Yeah instead yeah. of him. I love that. I've never heard that before. Yeah. That Barabbas was the one who represented us. Yeah. And that Jesus was the one who took that penalty. Yes. Upon himself. And as a strong man as well. You know, that amazes me that he, he wasn't a weak, you know, what fit man would willingly give up his life for a, you know, a representation of Barabbas, you know, who would do that? Mm -hmm. and not tell anyone he was doing it you know to save us who would do that and I've yeah seen he didn't it. he didn't give a defense for himself did he he didn't say no. okay well let me present my case why you yeah. should execute Barabbas and not me he didn't do that yeah. no and when he was on the cross he could have called legions of angels oh my goodness yeah can you imagine they would have just yeah. wiped out everyone around yes. there and and he didn't do that there was another experience Val because you have been very sensitive to the Holy Spirit so that God could impart these miraculous encounters um, where uh, your husband was ill yeah. and and you encountered Jesus um, yeah. almost yeah. unwittingly, it seemed. Yeah, very. this time he turned up very unassuming, but there, there was a, re I'll get to that. There's a reason why he did that. I realize that now. But anyway, this is going back about seven years ago now we're speeding up to nearly up to you know because this is over a span of about 30 years so you know they don't happen night after night you know yes anyway um my husband you know he's he's become retired he'd, he'd had ailments you know osteoarthritis and he developed diabetes and as his bodily thing was going you know his bodily activities were going down so was he spiritually really he was giving up praying, he wasn't reading the same, he was just giving up on himself. That concerned me, actually. Um, anyway, I continued praying and what have you. And then one day I got up, he, he, he had a hospital bed because of the arthritis. So I got up one day and I, I took him in his breakfast and he said, oh, I'm in pain. There's so much pain. He said, I've, I've been taking indigestion all night. Pain was in his side. He said, I've took indigestion 
medicines all night and nothing's doing it. I said, well, let me pray for you. And I just laid my hands on the part. I said, how are you feeling now? He said, well, it feels like there's a finger pressing on it. it I didn't have my hands on it. He said, the pain's dulled, but it feels like there's a finger pressing on it. I think that's important to remember that. So anyway, I said, well, we'll see how you go on. Next day, he was in pain again. I called the doctor out. This was pain was getting, you know, too much. The doctor did, did blood tests and um, he put him on strong antibiotics. He said, we'll give the week out and see how you go on. Right. He said, it's possible you've got an infection, a water infection or something. Anyway, within about three days, he wasn't making sense, my husband. He didn't, he didn't last the week. I had to call the ambulance. I mean, it was, you know, I wasn't getting any sense out of him. So he was rushed to the local hospital, which is only a general hospital. It doesn't specialise in anything. And um, basically, after a day or so, they didn't know what to do with him. They didn't know what was up with him. They didn't know what to do with him. And I, to be honest, I thought it was a bit of a nonchalant attitude, you know. He was in ICU, and uh, when I and then the doctor came. He was a consultant. He came over to me. He said, "Well, Mrs. Hampton," he said, "Well, he's not getting any younger, and you know he's got these ailments." And he said, "And if we operated, he'd probably end up a cabbage." And I thought, "What?" <laughs> I was really. I I just felt like they were giving up on him before he even had a chance, you know. So. I went, when he when the doctor walked off, I, I was meeting up with unbelief, you know. All I kept thinking, if you operate, he'll recover quick. That's where my faith was. You just operate and he'll recover. And they didn't want to do it. They just didn't want to do it. So I ran over to his bed in the hospital, in the ICU, and I started in his ears now. He was in and out of consciousness. He was just in and out. I barely got a word out of him. So I bent over his bed and said, Charlie, you're in for the fight of your life, your, your life now. You cry out to Jesus now. This is it now. This is it. Because I heard it in the doctor, this was it. And I thought, no, I'm not having that. Anyway, when I had to break away and go home and refresh and come back, all I do is pace the floor. And I found this is when I went into, you know, the kingdom of God suffers violent and the violence will take it by force. I was fist pumping now. Lord, I'm not having that. I'm not having that attitude. I do not accept it. And I really was getting, not to God, but to that, the unbelief. Yes. And every time I went home, that's all I did. And then called back and, you know, and then all I did with Charlie was speak in his ear, you know, cry out to Jesus is your only hope. Anyway, they'd moved him to another ward. They'd give up on him and just moved him out of the ICU. He was grey. He was swollen. Uh, his face, his neck, his body was swollen. The only time he said, he didn't say anything. The only time he murmured anything was pain, groans. And he, they moved him to an ordinary ward like that. They'd give up on him. Well, that was it. I was looking around for a wheelchair to get him on. I thought, he's not dying here. And then all of a sudden, this doctor appeared and said, I've been on the phone all afternoon. I knew the Lord was stepping in here, you know, with this. I'm not accepting this. Um, he said, I've been on the phone all afternoon. I've got him in a hospital where there's a professor, you know, someone that specializes in whatever was wrong with him. Cause I didn't know at this point. Um, 
and he's willing, he's, he's left work to go on holiday, but he doesn't fly out till tomorrow, but he's going to come in today. He's going to come in and operate. Thank you. So off we go, blue lighted from one hospital to another. We get there, all the teams jump in. You know what it's like when someone's seriously ill, everybody jumps in on them, the doctors, the nurses, do all the tests, and all of a sudden they disappear. So I went back in and I'm crying down his ear, Charlie, can you hear me? Can you hear me? This, you know, cry out to Jesus is your only hope. So that's all I had. And we were waiting ages for this operation. And wherever this professor was, I don't know. I've no idea. Um, I can imagine he was getting a bit of earache really off the rest of him. Why are you doing this? But he was a lecturer. And I think he was doing it for his purposes. You know, he wanted... I'll, I'll tell you what was up with him in a minute. The, then the radio... Is, is it the radiologist that does the scans on a person's body? Is that what they call them, a yes. radiologist? Yeah. Reality, he called me out yeah. the room. He, yeah. He called me out the room and he brought me to the scan and he showed me on this on this computer. He said, that's your husband's body. And he said, you see all that black around his body and all around his, you know, his organs? He said, that's poison. He said, he's got an abscess and it's eaten through his liver. It's eaten through his, um, or something else, but it's eaten through his liver. Yes. He had a quarter of his liver left. And basically, he was looking very negative at me. But all I kept thinking was, you operate and he'll recover, and he'll recover quick. That's where my faith was. So I said that to him. I said, but when are they going to operate? And he just packed his stuff and walked off. The unbelief again. I was constantly fighting unbelief. So this professor that was going to turn up is still not, around to defend my karma so all i'm doing is batting off unbelief so again we're waiting waiting and waiting i'm starting to wane and get tired now my husband's just going grayer and uh, to be honest i don't know he's still alive maybe that one prayer at the beginning where there was pressure like a finger on holding something down maybe that was keeping him because looking at him i I didn't need to be a medic to know he was going to die. And he was so swollen. Anyway, um, the next thing, I'm bent over him again. Cry out to Jesus. I'm tired, but I'm st this is early hours of the morning. Cry out to Jesus, Charlie. And just as I was saying that, I thought somebody's in the room, you know. And I thought, no, what now? What are they going to tell me now? What negative, what unbelief are they going to bring to me now? I'm so tired and drained with it. And I turned round and I thought, oh, I could tell he'd been there a while. You know, someone just walks in, they're ruffled and they, you know, but he wasn't. He, I could tell he'd been watching me and Charla. And then when I went silent, I'm shocked. I mean, it, it, if I can describe him, he had dark, wavy hair, probably to the shoulder, Mediterranean look, you know, olive coloured skin. He had something white on. I, I was too busy looking at his face to know anything else. And he said, he introduced himself. He said, hello, my name is Jesus, and I'm here to see your husband through the night. Mm. And he said no more and smiled. Mm. Well, that was my concern. We weren't going to get through the night for the operation. My faith was, my faith was do the operation and he'll recover quick. So I think, you know, in all his 
sensitivity, he turned up to encourage me and let me know he was carrying him through the night for the operation because he knew my faith was in that. Anyway, I was having to, the, the more I was studying his company, the more I was coming up in faith, the more I was coming up to his level. You know, because I'd been knocked down so much and burdened and distressed and, you know, the more I said nothing, the more I was just, his presence was absorbing into me and I realised who he really was, Jesus, because the room started filling up at this point with the glory of God. I just didn't see a problem. In fact, at one point, I looked down at my husband and I thought, I mean, a man that looks like he's about to die, I'm looking at him and I thought, in the Lord's company, I thought, what's the problem now? What are we here for? <laughs> and um, and I, th I couldn't think what we were here for. And I thought, oh, that's it. We're waiting for an operation. And I kept staring at Jesus. And I thought, the answer to all my prayers are here. And I, I couldn't take my eyes off him. At this point, you know, whatever was going to happen, it was going to work out. You know, that was it. The answer's here. Anyway, I could go on. I could say a few more things. But he did see him. He did hang around. He lingered with us for at least five minutes. He didn't just... It wasn't just a quick flash. I was just absorbing from him. I was absorbing strength and courage and encouragement and and raised up in the faith again, you know. Yeah. And um, eventually they did come, you know, take my husband down. And, um, he did get through the operation. And, you know, he was put on a life support for a week, but there was nothing, you know. That was it. And he recovered. Within a month he was home. Within mm. six months, he had a full pink, healthy liver. Wow. Um, and they signed him off. And what the main thing is through all that, he really did come back to the Lord. He was reading more. He was praying more. I'd often hear him in the middle of the night praying for people. Um, mm. He had a desire to read. He was so grateful to be alive. I mean... After they said, you know, you've got a full pink healthy liver, and I'd look back and think, well, what was all that about? But when I saw my husband's face return, you know, it was all worth it. Wow. But it was stressful going through that. But without the Lord's help and him turning up, I don't think I could have got through it. Well, Charlie certainly, he couldn't. Well, that was... Um... Not only an epiphany of, you know, seeing Jesus there, but his promise that he's got this and and seeing him there, that assurance. And again, it shows kind of a narrative, I think, Val, in terms of your life and walk in Christ. You, you appear to me to be a person of great faith um, and that faith allows a person to see the Lord and to mm -hmm. realize these mm -hmm. profundities in a way that doubt removes that possibility. It's like passing it off. Well, that can't possibly be happening. You know, I can't, I'm not open to God revealing himself that way. And I think that's the, the prayer that perhaps as we go to prayer, I'm going to ask you to pray for our audience, Val, mm -hmm. that, that the spiritual eyes 
as in the case of Elijah's servant, be open to see yeah. these things. Because yeah. I know there are a lot of people that are watching this and say, I want that too. I want that too. I want to see, I want to see Jesus. I want to, I want to be ushered forth into heaven. I want to have that kind of, that, that revelation, that, that reveling in God's glory such that this world seems foreign to me. I want that. I want to have that. I want to see that those visions of, uh, whether it be the upper room or whatever it is that I want to, I want to sense that as, as real as, as if I'm, you know, walking in the flesh and seeing whomever, whatever. I want that. And, and you know, the Lord wants that for you too, mm -hmm. but there's this veil that has to come down and that veil is disbelief. Yeah. You know, the, the, um, yeah. The, the Jews in the time of Moses could not go into the promised land because of their unbelief. And we are suffering today yes. from a great deal of unbelief, aren't we, Val? Yes, yes. Yeah. Yes, that's all I sent around the hospital. Um, you know, if I didn't listen to them, all, all I heard was unbelief at every angle. And uh, if I didn't, you know, stand there in faith. But the Lord, obviously, he stepped in too. I mean, you know... But it does say, blessed are they that haven't seen yet believe. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's encouragement in that, if, even if they haven't seen the Lord. There's encouragement in that. You know, I don't know why he's appeared a few times. I, I have no idea. But I hope people, if they haven't and they want to, you know, then get close to God and he'll, he'll get close to you, you know. Yeah. Um. Seek him, seek him deeper. That's all yeah. I can say to that, really. You know, and don't give up. Don't give yes. up. Yes, as you said, right. this is a span of thirty years, so yeah. we don't <laughs> we don't have these experiences every day. You know, no, that's the prof right. these profound like experiences. Yeah. Now we can have those experiences every day and every moment of every day, in yeah. terms of being in the presence of the Lord. That's yeah. That's, that's something that we can experience because he's, Paul talked about praying unceasingly and, and that, and that the Lord is, will never leave us or forsake us. Well, part of that is that he's with us always, right? That's and right, yet, yeah. and he's speaking into our lives, whether it be the, the word of God, the Bible, whether it be some type of rhema word, which is a, a, a Greek term for the ever present voice of the Lord speaking into us. And we need to be open. Oftentimes, don't we vow we pass this these things off as imagination? Well, in your case, it wasn't just imagine. There was there was evidence certainly of your coming back, returning from heaven, and you could not. You had to get reacquainted with this world, so there was that residual effect, and there was the evidence certainly of your husband's uh, being healed. Um, the livers, though, just even with surgery. You know that that just doesn't happen naturally i can tell you having been in that space clinical space for much of my career so um we're moving into one of my favorite parts val where i get to invite our guests to pray for our audience mm. and uh, would you be kind enough to to yeah. pray for our audience please Can I just read this little bit of scripture to help me pray and for the people to Please. understand where I'm coming from? 
Please do. In Ezekiel 47, 8, 9, then he said to me this, water flows towards the eastern region, goes down into the valley and enters into the sea. When it reaches the sea, its waters are healed, and it shall be that every living thing move, that moves wherever the river goes will live. There will be a very great multitude of fish because of these waters go there. For they will be healed and everything will live wherever this river goes. And what I've been talking about tonight, when I went up into that, that river in the heavenly realms, I'm bringing that river of revelation to the people. Hmm. And wherever that river went, so whoever hears this river, I'm praying that they get healed in the name of Jesus and any stubborn issues in their body will be removed in the name of Jesus. So I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, whoever has heard my testimony, and whoever has heard this word, your word, Lord, your living word, your living river will flow into their bodies, every part of their bodies, Lord. And as I breathed it in through my throat, I couldn't breathe at first, it was so pure, but as I breathed it in, Lord, the balm, the balm that was flowing through my body, may it go right into anyone listening to this video, Lord, anybody. And that healing will begin in the name of Jesus and everything that comes up against you will be removed in the name of Jesus because there's life in the waters. You are the life, Jesus. In Jesus' name. And Lord, I just want to ask, Lord, also about when, you know, you took me, you know, to the upper room. And hopefully it squashes any lies, any lies of the devil about, you know, that you were defeated. You were not. You are our God. You mm -hmm. died on the cross and your blood, your precious blood saves us from all unrighteousness. And Lord, I pray for anyone listening to this, no, no matter what dark place they're in, they'll now see that light and come forth and be saved in the name of Jesus. Yes. Amen. Amen. And if you do, did receive the Lord Jesus Christ uh, in your heart for the first time, let us know at randyk.org. We want to... Uh, be able to encourage you uh, as you begin this exciting walk in the Lord. If you have experienced uh, a move of the Holy Spirit in your own life, let us know that as well. We'd love to hear from you. Yes, yes. And uh, we continue to pray for an increase of faith. Uh, mm. the, and that is, by the way, in the Bible, there's uh, the spiritual gifts. And one of them, you may not know this, uh, is referenced as faith. Yes, you can have a gift of faith. Yes, that is a gift of faith. So pray yes. um, for the gift of faith to receive yes. the good gifts that uh, the Lord wants to give you. Some of those gifts may be a revelation similar to what Val has experienced. Mm. And I experienced uh, after, uh, after uh, clinically dying for a little over 30 minutes. So you can go, you can have the experiences one way or the other. They're yeah. as real because they are in the spirit and they are not in the, uh, in the flesh. 
and uh, we need to pray in the spirit yes or revelation of the spirit so that we can experience the fullness of god and not just these and you know not be mired down by the ways of this world which many of us are caught in this world right now there was a poll val that was recently taken that uh, showed that um many and this is uh in the united states i'm sure it translates to uh the uk or other parts of the world as well are feeling that they are feeling hopeless the vast majority of people are feeling hopeless. There's a darkness. Yes. They feel like they're not good. Things aren't going to get better. Mm. Well, for those who are in Christ Jesus, they are going to get better. In fact, they're going to yes, get extraordinarily yeah. better. They're going to get yes, exponentially they, they better. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> the wonders of God. <laughs> yes, yes, they will get better. Turn to Christ. That's That's their only hope. Turn to Christ and things will get better. He's yeah. your hope. He's your light. He will encourage you. <laughs> yes. Not only on the, in, in heaven, but on this earth as well. Because uh, yes. someone yes. said, you know, that we're not, our, our joy is not limited by our situation. You know, ha- no. that's the difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is conditional upon a situation. We're on vacation, we're happy. But joy is a condition of the heart. Yes. We can be joyful even through trials. Why are we joyful yeah. even through trials? And yeah. Val and I and her husband and each of you, I'm sure, have gone through trials. Why can you be joyful in that? Because yeah. you live in two worlds. The one yes. world is the world yes. of the spirit. Yes. The other world is the physical world. The physical world is is degrading. It's, it yes. is yes, getting it is. worse. It's being consumed yes. by the generations and eons of uh, of sin but the spiritual world that is sequestered unto the lord is still pure and it yes. is yeah. the one you want to live in yes so start living more in the spiritual realm yes than Amen. in the physical realm start living yeah. more in the word the promises the truth of god and yes. less in the in the lies and the deceptions of this world and yes. you start doing that, you start feeling that even in those trials, as I went through Val last night when I was uh, having trouble breathing and I have, uh, you know, I have damaged lungs uh, and I and I prayed, people have prayed for me. By the way, your prayers have been heard because yes. I'm able to breathe today. I mean, yes. that, that, the yes. fact that, you know, being alive today is a miracle. So yes. your prayers are in effect. But I realized yes. even at that point, I was I was joyful because the joy of the Lord is my strength. Yes. And it was joyful being knowing that I am not of this world. I'm in this world, not of it. I am of Christ as value ever uh, of Christ. So we can go on and on, but I just want yes. to say Val, it's that I without a, a, and <laughs> <laughs> I just say this Randy as well, you know, to people that have been listening. Uh, okay, I've had that experience of going to glory and it's wonderful, but what you know even if you've not been i'm just want to tell you these times of low times that anyone's going through they're just temporary you know one day you'll look back well there'll be no looking back they're just temporary treat everything as temporary you'll come through it just turn to the lord you'll come through it don't worry you know but randy i have been thinking of you and you're breathing i don't know why i don't know what your condition is now uh, but I was thinking of you and I was thinking of breathing in the glory and how easy it was. And it was balm. 
It was total yeah. balm to the throat, to the chest, to the lungs. You know, I was thinking of you actually when I, I was saying that. So, you know, oh, and to man. everyone out there as well. Thank you so much. You know, the Lord had told me and when I was in heaven, he gave me a, a new name. And he said I could not uh, share it with anyone. But I could write about it. I did write. I write it, wrote it in Heaven Storm what the new name he gave me. And it was to your point, what you just said, Val. And that's the, the name that he gave me. I, I, I cannot, I, he said I could not state it verbally. And uh, I'm sorry to sound crisp, cryptic. I don't intend to do that. I'm just trying to be obedient. But it is the very thing that you said spoke to me because that's what he spoke to me in Heaven. So... Um, praise the Lord. Thank you, you so much. A lot tonight. It's been an honor. I, Thank you. Yeah. I wish I could tell you more, but obviously there's a time limit on everything. But I'm really grateful anyway. Well, the honor is all mine. We'll have to have you back so you yeah. can share with us uh, again. So in the meantime, we have some great news for you uh, watching or listening to this. And that is that if you are in Christ Jesus, hmm. be of good cheer yes. because heaven is in your future. Take care. God bless. God bless. God bless, Bye. Bye now. Thanks Bye. for listening. Please like and subscribe. And if you'd like further information, go to our website at randyk.org, where our mission is simple, to share the great news of God's love.